This is Novel Marketing, the show for novelists who aren't necessarily fond of marketing, but still want to become best-selling authors. Episode 146. I'm James L. Rubart, but you can call me Jim. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr. And in this episode, we're going to talk to you guys about publishing scams and how to avoid them. So Thomas, have you ever been have you ever been scammed? Uh almost. So I was on the verge of making a purchase for like a ten thousand or twenty thousand dollar self-publishing package way back in the day. And for some reason I put off the decision and then some financial event happened and I didn't have the money and it saved me that money because that money would have almost entirely have been wasted on things that I could have gotten cheaper and better somewhere else. So I almost got scammed, but not quite. And the company that I would have purchased from is now out of business. Their reputation has been trashed. But at the time, I thought they did have a good reputation. So I'm very thankful that um, (laughs) I had a financial difficulty. Sometimes you don't see financial difficulties as being a blessing, but they definitely were. In this case, yeah. In that that case. Um, Some exciting news before we get into this. We have a Facebook group now uh, for novel marketing, which uh, we've had a Facebook page for a long time. We launched the Facebook group and we've already had in the last three days, more engagement and interaction with our listeners on that group than we have in the last year on our Facebook page. So the Facebook have we, algorithm, have we learned something, Thomas? Yes. <laughs> Facebook pages, no one sees anything. Facebook hides that algorithm, but it really likes groups. And uh, the wonderful thing about groups is that you can ask questions in the group and not just get answers from me and Jim, but also from our other listeners. And we'll be talking more about how our Facebook group may help protect you from being a scam or being scammed in publishing. Uh, Now, Jim, have you ever been scammed? Do I have to answer that, Thomas? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so sure. This is a safe place. This is a safe place. All right. We're we're among friends here. So I, I did buy into the scam and you've heard of this back when speakers were, you know, good sized and this kind of thing. So this was back in, must've been the late 80s and i did buy a pair of speakers out of a van along the side of the road uh where these guys were saying here's the invoice it's legitimate and all this i ended up buying the the speakers um i will say that the speakers did work so i guess i wasn't totally scammed but but afterwards i I found out jim that's a scam these are not legitimate speakers these guys stole the speakers and they sold them to you so i will admit that i guess i did get scammed once upon a time now there was a double scam version of that scam where they were selling normal speakers but pretending like they were stolen at harvard and they got all these harvard students to buy these like you know back of the van speakers and it ends up that they were legitimate speakers after all but the story that they were stolen made it intriguing oh intriguing (laughs) anyway are uh, you saying my speakers could have been legitimate thomas they might have actually been it it may have been a double scam uh but uh let's talk about what makes something a publishing scam so we're not going to talk about how you know random scammers are going to do it there's actually a lot of scam and a lot of um fraud in the publishing world. And we want to talk about kind of what makes something a uh, scam and kind of the fundamental, something they all have in common is over-promising and under-delivering. And uh, this, I think almost all of them have this in common, Uh, but some other elements of scams are uh, fraud where they're lying about what they're, who they are or what they're doing. And some things are unlawful. Um, 
and other things are unethical. And there's a kind of in between unlawful and unethical. There is the violating the terms of service. So kind of trying to cheat Amazon's algorithm or cheat Google's algorithm, cheat some other company uh, that all of those things tend to be uh, elements of a scam. And one thing I do want to say is that the price isn't really what makes something a scam. Something being overpriced isn't necessarily make it a scam, especially if something's very expensive. So there's a service called Scribe Writing, and they charge between $36,000 and $100,000 to help you uh, write a book. And they're not a scam. They're actually a legitimate business, and they work with a very specific kind of author. So they don't work with novelists because it's not worth it. Uh, for most novels to spend $36,000 developing it. They work with uh, CEOs of successful businesses. And if you are the CEO of Dell Computers or you know some big company and you want to spend $100,000 developing a book that's your story of starting the business, that actually can be totally worth it because they work with all the top people. And you now have something that can help you sell your very expensive business products. So it's using the book as a tool for something else. The book itself isn't going to pay itself back. And they're very transparent about that. They're not about that kind of writing necessarily, um, but it's about giving you an asset that you can use somewhere else. But the key is that they're promising the right things and they're not hiding how expensive they are. They're like, look, we're only for people who can afford us. And most people can't afford $100,000 to develop a book. But if somebody's company that's making millions of dollars every year, they just see it as a marketing expense, spending $100,000 on a book uh, being developed is probably a better deal than spending $100,000 on a TV campaign. (laughs) So um, the price doesn't necessarily, I just want to say price doesn't necessarily make something a scam. Uh, But one of the things you will find with the scams we're going to talk about is that a lot of them are charging you a lot for giving you a little, which is back to the over-promising and under-delivering. Yeah. When you say necessarily, I want us to emphasize not necessarily a scam because one of the, the most common scams in publishing is the vanity publisher where they make money and they can make a lot of money whether you succeed or not. And this can be people that are reputable companies. And an example is Reader's Digest. So I've subscribed to Reader's Digest for years and I get the magazine and I I love them. They have a, a great reputation as a magazine, but they'll also help you publish your book. And just a quick glance, Thomas, at what they charge you for their top of the line package, it's $8,500. And that does not give you any editorial for $8,500. They're not going to even edit your book. They're simply going to publish it and they'll help you with a cover design and this kind of thing. If you want editing help, that's going to cost you nine cents per word. So for a 90,000 word book, that's another $8,100. So you're easily up into $15,000, $16,000 to publish this book. And, I, and that's where I just go, yeah, is it a scam? No, they're very upfront with what they're giving you. At the same time, when you can do that for a fraction of the cost, I would say that becomes, in my mind, that enters into the scam area. That's right. And we're going to talk about the, I have my Thomas recommendations at the end of this episode. So uh, we will talk about companies that provide these sorts of services at a much lower price. And I should say, when it comes uh, to scribe writing, which used to be called a book in a box, part of the reason why they're so expensive is that they write the book. So they connect you with a ghostwriter and they do all of the work. So what you're effectively paying for is not just editing, but also ghostwriting and development of the ideas. And they basically do the whole thing start to finish, which is uh, why they're so pricey. Um, So uh, 
the another common scam is a fake agent. So all you, all someone has to do to say, hey, I'm a literary agent is say, I'm a literary agent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, that doesn't make them an agent. doesn't mean that they're successful. doesn't mean that they can help you out. Uh, there is a guild, an agent's guild, or it's called the Association of Author Representatives. And that association has rules and guidelines. And if agents don't follow the rules and guidelines, they get kicked out. So the easiest way to... Um, uh, kind of check an agent before you sign with an agent. Make sure they're a member of the Association of Author Representatives because this is a big deal. Once you sign with an agent, you're uh, committed to them. And Jim, you've had several agents. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, I have had several agents. And once you sign with an agent, you are married to them forever for as long as those books are in print. And these days, a book can be in print perpetually, depending on your publisher because of the electronic rights, et cetera, et cetera. So just like you would not get married if you hadn't dated somebody for a while, you need to date your agent for a while. And by dating, I mean, you're going to check out what other people say about this agent. Um, do we get along? Do we have similar philosophies? Do we understand how business is going to work? And we've said this before on the podcast, but worth repeating, there's some agents that are great agents, but they simply will not work for you. And there's other agents that will, just like there's some people who you could marry and get along with well, other people just do not match your personality, your values, your goals, ambition, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So be careful. Be careful when you're looking at agents. Make sure they are not fake. And some agents, Thomas, I'm not, I'm not sure I would call some agents a scam. They don't even know they're a scam. Um, but I would say that there are some agents that are just starting out and they don't know what they don't know. And so consequently you could be with an agent and they're sincere and they're good hearted and they're working hard, but they simply don't know the industry. And that's why I encourage anybody going with an agent that's just starting out, make sure that they are an agent in an agency with other agents that can show them the ropes and get them educated and go to the other agents and say, ah, boy, I don't know what to do with this. What should I do? Somebody that's only been an agent for two or three months and is working solo, I would just be very cautious. There was a big purge a couple of years ago. A lot of publishing companies merged and bought each other out. And in that process, a lot of editors lost their jobs. And what a lot of those editors did was they went out and said, I'm an agent now. And so they started going back to the same conferences they were at. And some of the, you know, that's how a lot of agents get their start, frankly. So a lot of those agents have made it, but a lot of those agents have not made it. And um, the ones that are in an agency, if the agent doesn't make it, you could get passed on to another agent in that agency. And they're more likely to succeed than an agent who's going solo. Although, you know, I know agents who went solo and now they're running their own agency. So um, it's it's hard to give a rule of thumb, uh, but it, it does matter how excited they are about your book. So just real quick advice on agents. They need to be like legitly excited about your book and about you. And two, it helps if they've had some success in their past, but everybody's got to start somewhere. Um, but a, a one rule of thumb to know if they're a legit fraud is if the agent is wanting money from you. So if, <laughs> I like that. A legit fraud. <laughs> yeah, a legit fraud. So, well, there's there's a difference between a bozo, who's somebody who just doesn't know what they don't know. And they're, it's not that they're dishonest. They're just incompetent uh, or they're not yet competent, as opposed to a predator who uh, 
is actually trying to hurt you, you know? So it's like a clumsy animal that's not trying to hurt you, but could hurt you anyway, just accidentally. Uh, you know, like uh, in Jurassic Park, there's the big dinosaurs, right? With the long necks and they're not aggressive right, or scary, right. but they might step on you by accident or their tail might knock you over. And you're really hurt if that happens, as opposed to say a velociraptor who's like trying to prey on the weak, right? So uh, agents that are like velociraptors, the ones who are trying to charge you for their services. Um, the way agency works, not just with uh, publishing, but a lot of other kinds of agents too, is that they make money when you make money. So you hire a real estate agent to sell your house. Your real estate agent gets a percentage of the house fee. You buy a, you hire an agent to help you sell your book. The agent gets paid when you get paid. And that way there is an alignment of interest. Your agent wants you to be more successful so your agent can be more successful. As opposed to when they charge you, then suddenly they're successful whether you're successful or not. Yeah, so an agent who says to you, wow, I really like your story, Thomas. Uh, tell you what, we're, I'm going to send it out to my editorial uh, team and, and that's only going to cost you a couple grand and we're going to get that thing in shape so it can sell. No, well, you're not doing that. That's right. Uh, now, your agent may recommend an editor who can work with you you know, that's something an, an agent may do, but uh, you should be paying that editor. <laughs> you shouldn't be paying. Directly. Uh, yeah, you yeah. pay You pay, and you work with the editor uh, directly. Uh, all right, so the next kind of category of scams is what I'm calling marketing scams. And this actually is what inspired this episode. Somebody reached out to us asking about a blog tour and wanting us to talk about blog tours. And I looked into the blog tour company she was referencing and I looked at the most recent blog tour that this blog tour company did. And I ran the Alexa scores for those blogs that the blog tour was doing. And those blogs had no readers. <laughs> so they all had That's Alexa a scores in the big millions. <laughs> and uh, the well, it is a problem because you're spending money and you're under the impression that you're reaching people. When in reality, these are um, readers who have discovered, hey, I can get a free book by creating a blog. And it doesn't matter if anybody reads my blog. Um, I, I'll get, you know, free books from these blog tour companies and it doesn't really move the numbers. And a good giveaway is like, oh, well, you can't really measure the success. Anytime somebody's saying that, <laughs> it's like the authors are not wealthy enough to do branded marketing. So there's a whole category of marketing that companies like Coca-Cola will do where they'll put a big Coca-Cola logo on the side of a building or at a sports uh, arena. And they don't, they're just trying to make sure that you're familiar with Coca-Cola. But even then they're measuring success, right? They are paying for surveys and asking people, you know, what Coca-Cola brands are you familiar with? Like anytime somebody in marketing is like, oh, you can't measure what we're doing run away. <laughs> so everything should be measurable to some degree. Now that doesn't mean that everything pays for itself. Some things are foundational, right? Like when you pay for a website, that website may not directly pay for itself, but it helps you do other things that um, pay for themselves. Although ideally a good website will directly pay for itself and how it helps you grow your email list and sales through you know, your book pages, if you're using a plugin like my book table, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> so, um, blog tours, um, are almost always, and I'm not sure how to phrase this. There's a reason why we've never had a blog tour company on this show. And that is that I have yet to find one that's actually delivering results. Uh, the blog tour companies that I've seen 
and I haven't seen all of them. So I'm not saying that there isn't some out there that are doing good work, but they are just doing the rounds on blogspot blogs and wordpress.com blogs that just don't have any readers. And it's like buying a billboard on a highway that no cars drive along. <laughs> it's like you're wasting your money. Um, and often in so, this one I checked out, like the links to go and buy the book on Amazon on these blogs were broken links. Like these bloggers are so novice that they didn't even know how to insert a hyperlink correctly into their blog. Like this, it was just a waste of money. Um, I maybe should email back that listener who contacted us. Like, maybe you shouldn't spend money on this blog tour company. But anyway, blog tours, be very suspicious of blog tours. Now, I will say a legit PR company who gets you in front of popular blogs can totally make the difference. So a pop- one popular blogger can be worth 10,000 unpopular bloggers. I'm not even joking. Without any, question. Yeah. One blog is better than getting on 10,000 small blogs. And the difference is just unbelievable. So if Seth Godin recommends your book, if Guy Kawasaki recommends your book, that's a million people you've reached. As opposed to you could have, you know, 10,000 blogs that each reach 10 people. That's not still not the same. So anyway, I'll, I'll stop ranting here about blog tours. Uh, they also tend to be very exhausting uh, for the author, depending on how they're structured. Well, that's a good point, Thomas. And not to belabor the blog thing, but you say, but maybe they're giving it to you for free. Well, you want to make sure your content is different on each blog because Google goes in and says it doesn't like it when you're reposting, reposting the same thing. And it, and it takes time, even if it's free, it takes time for you to craft a decent interview on that blog. So, um, whether it's paid, whether it's free, you need to do a little research and see if that blog is really reaching people. That's right. Now sending out a hundred free copies of your book to a hundred bloggers, you know, maybe that's not very expensive. You send them ebook copies. And since it's not costing you very much money to do, yeah, maybe, maybe it's worth it. But paying, you know, two or three uh, or 500 or $1,000 for somebody to kind of help you with it, it's probably not going to pay, pay for itself. Uh, another thing that's often a scam is a social media package. Uh, so a lot of publishing companies offer social media package and like, we will tweet to our 10,000 people and we'll put together, you know, Facebook posts and images for you. And, and then they're very quick to say, but we can't guarantee results, which to be fair, no one can guarantee results, but they're also like, you can't really measure success because the reality is social media doesn't drive uh, book sales, uh, especially the kind of social media that's done by a third party. If you're creating a Facebook group and you're doing a launch team, that can work and advertising can work. Uh, so if somebody's like, hey, we'll do a PPC advertising campaign for your book and we'll buy Facebook ads and we'll buy Goodreads ads, we'll buy Amazon ads, that can be worth it. And there's a there's some good companies, especially with Amazon ads, that very reasonably, you know, fifty bucks a month will do um, an advertising campaign uh, for you. Um, but the social media package is uh, I have yet to see one that I would personally ever want to spend money on. Um, the next category, and this is where um, there is legit. So I'll try to kind of give you an idea of what to look for. Uh, but a PR campaign. So a lot of companies will sell a five hundred dollar public relations package. And basically what it comes with is we're going to send a press release to 500 journalists or 2,500 journalists. It's like that is of no value. Sending out press releases used to work in the eighties and maybe in the nineties back when they got them as faxes. Um, but it, press releases don't, don't work anymore. 
Uh, now, PR, a good PR campaign that can get you on TV and get you on radio and, and get you on podcasts, especially, uh, can be really effective. Podcasting, believe it or not, going on guest, being a guest on people's podcasts is one of the most effective ways to sell books. I, I've heard story after story of authors have had just amazing results being on podcasts because the kind of people who listen to podcasts are the kind of people who listen to audiobooks and read uh, paper books. Uh, so working with a PR company can be worth it. And there's a lot of good PR companies out there, but I will say the good ones tend to be expensive. That $500 PR package is probably not going to get you much results. Uh, so what you want to do to kind of tell the good ones from the bad ones is see how many New York Times bestselling authors they worked with. The good PR companies uh, will have a lot of New York Times bestsellers they work with and the um, scammers will not. <laughs> so um, another common uh, scam it is promising to get you on to, into bookstores. They're like, oh, we'll get you, we'll, we promise we'll get you into all of the bookstores. And typically what they make you feel like is that they're going to put your book on the shelf of the bookstore. When in reality, if you read the fine print, they're just putting you into the computer of the bookstore. And <laughs> you can get on the computer of the bookstore for free through Amazon. <laughs> That's not very valuable. Yeah, it's and again back to your point earlier, Thomas. If they are promising, oh my gosh, we can give you get you on TV shows and radio shows, and we can get you on podcasts, and we can do all this for you, and it's only two hundred and ninety nine dollars. There's a problem with that. It, to actually do that is a lot of work. And these PR agencies, the good ones, have built up contacts over the years, and it is a science and an art and a relationship relationships that are built to be able to do this. And that simply can't happen for two ninety nine. But we as authors, we're saying, I don't have the money to spend five grand on a PR campaign. Um, so I'm going to spend the two ninety nine and hope it works. It yeah, you've just spent two ninety nine on nothing. Yeah, you'd be better off spending that two ninety nine educating yourself to do it yourself uh, than trying to get somebody else to do it for you. Because uh, the skilled people are fifty bucks an hour, hundred bucks an hour, and two ninety nine only buys you, you know, three, six hours of their time. That's not a lot of work. Um, another common scam, this may be the most common scam, is a pay to uh, enter writing contest. Uh, so, you know, let's say Jim and I wanted to make a quick buck. So we're like, we're going to have a novel marketing writing contest and it costs $100 to enter and the grand prize winner wins 500 bucks. And it's basically a Ponzi scheme. We have all of these people enter their uh, books and then we give one person a lucky winner. It's almost like running a lottery. And uh, tip and typically the fraudulent contest, which is most of them, no one reads your book. They just randomly pick a winner <laughs> right. and it's it's not very valuable. Uh, so, Jim, how do you tell a because there are legit writing contests. It's not like all writing contests are, are scams. How do you tell the difference between a legit writing contest and a fraudulent one? Well, there are, there are a couple of things you look for. One, the longevity of the writing contest. If it just started a year ago, that's your first red flag. Uh, if a company like Writer's Digest says, we're running a contest, and of course they do, and they're going to fly you to New York if you're the winner, and, and all these little perks and whistles and bells, that's easy to check out. Um, so the second red flag is maybe they've been around for 10 years, but they're incredibly small. And you look at the list of winners and you've never heard of them. And you go to Amazon and you look up the books that won and they've got five reviews. It, it, it's, it's not that hard to see if a contest is legit or not. And one of the things that Thomas and I are excited about our Facebook group is this becomes crowdsourcing. 
where you can ask people, oh my gosh, I just heard about this contest. Is this legit? Has anybody heard of it? And you would be surprised at the people who go, oh, that's a good one. That's a small one. But my gosh, the feedback on that was excellent. An agent actually followed that contest and followed up with me. And so we encourage you to join the Facebook group simply for the reason that you're going to be able to be crowdsourcing and getting input from other writers that have heard or say, oh, boy, I got scammed into that one. There was nothing there. Don't waste your time on it. That's right. Another thing to look for is, are you getting feedback? Is it attached with a reputable, um, like a conference? So a lot of the legit contests often be attached with a conference. In fact, I was at a writer's conference and uh, the writer's conference had, I don't know, a few hundred people there, but the winner of the writing contest got a $10,000 book contract from a super reputable publishing company. And the, the publishing company was just using That's the writing legit. contest <laughs> to like vet uh, books. And like, they're like, we don't want to go through our own slush pile. So we're going to give the winner of this contest, uh, you know, $10,000 like that. That's a legit contest. So there are legit contests out there, although I don't think they had to pay to enter. That's the other thing. Often the legit ones are not very expensive to enter. The ones that are just money grabs tend to be more expensive. So another thing. Yeah, to- yeah, it, it is legitimate to pay uh, a fee. But like Thomas says, if you're paying $100 to enter the contest, that that's, again, another red flag. All right. So let's give, we're going to give you some rules of thumb uh, to look for and some warning signs real quick. Uh, one rule of that. My number one rule of thumb anytime I talk to somebody is find a happy customer first. <laughs> so this applies to if you're going to get a website built or you're working with an agent or you're working with a publishing company. Don't work the company until you have been able to find somebody who worked with them who's happy. Uh, and this is where the Novel Marketing Facebook group is really valuable because you can ask in our Facebook group. We give you permission to ask, hey, has anybody worked with CreateSpace? Have you had a good experience with CreateSpace? Has anybody worked with Ex Libris? Has anybody had a good experience with Ex Libris? Which I'll tell you, probably not. <laughs> Ex Libris is not, not a legit company, uh, in my opinion. Um, another thing to do is to ask for the numbers, especially with if you're uh, with a marketing anything marketing. Um, if they say they can't measure the effectiveness of their work, you want to be careful um, that you should be able to measure something. Even if you can't measure dollars, you should be able to measure something like how many people read this blog post, right? So maybe you're just trying to raise awareness. Uh, you should be able to at least know how many people were made aware. Um, and you want to ask, you know, what's what was the uh, return on investment on the last few people who worked with you? What 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 uh, what did they see? Or you know, try to figure out can I calculate the return on investment of this activity? And just in general, ask a lot of questions. <laughs> so if it's a publishing company, yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah, I have a friend of mine, Dave Lieber. He writes for the uh, Fort Worth. No, sorry, I think he writes for the Dallas Morning News now. He used to be with the Fort Worth Star Telegram. He's got this watchdog column where he's like constantly outing scammers. And one of his things is ask a lot of questions. And he gives this great talk uh, where with these visuals. And he's like, most people think there are three sizes at Starbucks, uh, but there's actually more. There are additional sizes. So you have the venti grande and tall that most people are familiar with, but there's also a short size that's not on the menu that's even cheaper than a tall. And then there's a size even smaller than that, which is the like a shot size, which is espresso size. And he shows that... Um, that cup. And then he's like, and there's a size even smaller than that called sample, which is free. You can go into a Starbucks and get a free <laughs> coffee. If you just say, oh, I want to try I want to sample your Sumatra. They have a tiny little sample cup and they will give you a sample of their Sumatra blend or whatever the, the blend is. 
And the only way to find that out is to just ask a lot of questions. Uh, so some good questions, like if you're working with a publishing company, um, you know, ask, can you give me the names of some of the people on your sales team? So one of the biggest things that separates good publishing companies from bad publishing companies, I'm talking traditional publishing companies here, is do they have a sales team that goes and talks to bookstore owners to get you on the shelves of the bookstore? A legit publishing company will have a whole team of people and they can give you name after name after name of people who are beating the pavement, you know, smiling and dialing and getting their um, authors uh, books on shelves. A smaller publisher or a publisher who's trying to act big and isn't often won't have a sales team. So that's one of the things that will really tell you uh, the difference. Uh, another good question is, what is the name of your last book to hit a bestseller list? This is a question you can ask anyone. <laughs> so you can ask agents this, you can ask publishers this, you can ask marketing companies this. Um, you know, if they've heard like, oh yeah, we had somebody hit the bestseller list just last week, or no, we've never worked with a bestselling author. It's like, really? After all this time, you've never worked with a bestselling author? That's telling. Um, what are some other questions, Jim? Well, you can say, where can I go and see examples of your work? I'd love to see some of the graphics and some of the creative things you've come up with for your authors. If you're a PR firm, um, I want to see it in black and white. Well, let me send you to Facebook or let me send you this website. Let me send you here. If they can do that, then all of a sudden they're legitimate. In in most of the scan companies, they a lot of them won't even do the work at all. And, and they can't, so they can't point you anywhere. So ask to see where I can go on the web and see your work in action. Yeah. The, a lot of the scam companies, uh, the publishing companies anyway, are outsourcing to the same kinds of people that you could outsource to yourself on Fiverr. You could pay $50 for a cheap person. They're charging you a thousand dollars for that same person. And uh, so, you know, asking who are the names of the people who are doing your work? Uh, it's not wrong to, to outsource, but you want to be able to know, hey, who am I being outsourced to? Uh, is this person a professional or are they, you know, English is their second language and they really don't know what they're doing. <laughs> so, um, and another rule of thumb is to read the fine print. Uh, one of the things you want to look for is an arbitration clause and who picks the arbitrator. So I'm a big fan of arbitration clauses. I think arbitration, binding arbitration is good, but only if the arbitrator is picked by a third party. Scammers often will put into contracts that you have to have arbitration and they get to pick the arbitrator, which means you're giving up your right to sue them in court. And that is a big red flag. <laughs> so don't do that. Uh, don't sign that kind of contract. Um, also, the longer the contract is, the more fine print, the more likely they are to be hiding something. Doesn't necessarily mean they're hiding something, um, but it means they might be hiding something. Another thing you want to look for, and this is really important, is who owns your copyright after you sign. Uh, you should be maintaining the copyright to your writing. Some of the, I think it was Publish America, uh, one of these publishing companies, it was a Vanity Press, would take ownership of the copyright. And one of their primary ways of making money was after authors realized what a terrible company they were, they'd have to buy their copyright back. They'd have to buy their own book back from this company. And that was just a terrible, terrible practice. Yeah, and, and Thomas hinted at this earlier, look at the fine print with regard to what they're going to offer you. Some of these companies will have a list that it's like 60 items long that we're going to do for you. Most of them don't, aren't going to do anything for you, but some of them make you feel like, oh, they're going to, uh, they're, they're going to get me into the bookstore. No, they're not. Make sure you ask questions. What does this mean when you say you're going to get me into the bookstore? Is it, 
specifically, are you going to get me to the bookstore? You're getting me on the shelf or are you getting me in the catalog? I, I need to know clarification on that. And some of them will use intimidation tactics. And one of the intimidation tactics is this long list of, well, Thomas, look at all these things they're doing for me. I can't believe all these things they're doing for me. XYZ company over here, they're only doing five of those things. Yeah, but those are the five things that matter. And the one that this company with the long list isn't doing is a critical element of your success. That's right. Another thing to look for is uh, how easy is it to cut ties? Uh, so one of the things that I look for in um, business relationships is win-win or no deal. It's one of the habits of highly successful people. And I've built my whole business life around this. And then if you're both not winning, there needs to be a way for the no deal to happen. So it's not just thinking win-win, it's win-win or no deal. <laughs> because being stuck in a bad toxic relationship is bad for business. <laughs> if you're, you are a business as an author and you don't want to be stuck in a toxic uh, relationship. So how, what does it look like to exit? Uh, now a publishing company, uh, it's not going to be easy to cut ties with a publishing company if your book is succeeding, um, because they, uh, don't want you to run away to the next publisher, but you know, are they tie, are they tying you in for the next book? <laughs> you know, is that okay with you? Um, you know, a lot of publishers want you to be kind of trapped in their ecosystem where not only are they getting rights uh, to the, your, your book, but they also want the right of first refusal for your next book. And the whole purpose of that is to keep you from having options. So they don't have to pay you as much. And that's kind of a, a sneaky, sneaky trick to keep an eye out for. And to, if you're going to enter that kind of relationship, you want to enter it with both eyes open. And I highly recommend having an agent uh, who will be your advocate if you're going to work with a traditional publisher. And then the final thing is look for financial incentive alignment. Uh, so if you're paying a lot of money up front uh, and they're making money, whether your book thrives or not, they don't have a financial incentive to see you thrive, to see you succeed. They're succeeding anyway. Uh, what, in, that can work in some situations. So it's not like that's a deal breaker, but you need to realize that ideally your relationships are aligned. So an agent makes money when you make money, your publisher makes money when you make money. Uh, so a company like CreateSpace, which I really like, they don't charge hardly anything up front. I don't know, it's maybe a $50 setup fee, something very negligible. Um, and all of the money that CreateSpace has made has been for me and my book has been because I've been making money. <laughs> so they get a piece of the action and that uh, we have aligned interests and I've had no friction with them. And there's a reason because we both want the same thing for my book to sell as much as possible. Okay, Thomas. So warning signs, what are some warning signs, whether you're dealing with a PR firm or somebody who's going to do a blog tour or a publisher? So if somebody contacts you out of the blue and they're raving about your writing and they want to sell you something, be very suspicious. So uh, legit, Legitimate companies don't have time to read the books of people they haven't contacted yet. And so this is a uh, very effective tact, deceptive tactic because authors are really vulnerable. Like they want positive feedback about their book and somebody is contacting them. Oh, I saw you have a great book. It's just amazing. I'm going to help you reach more people here by my package. And it's like they're pretending to have read your book when they haven't. And, you know, that that's something to be uh, it's a warning sign. Doesn't mean that they're a fraud. You may be a fan of your book, but most likely it's somebody pretending to be a fan of your book. Years ago, I, this was, gosh, this was years and years ago. And I, I uh, had sent in for a writing kit that they were going to publish my book and um, I never responded. Well, about three months later, I got an 
uh, this was not in the days of email. This was before email. And I got a letter from them in the mail and they said, wow, we're just really curious. Um, we really saw that you had talent at writing, Jim, and we're just wondering why you haven't followed up. And I thought, hmm, this is curious because I never sent in a sample of my writing. How did they know I was talented? But that's the mentality. And, and at first, when I read that, Thomas, it was like, oh, oh, they think I'm talented. This is great. Wait a minute. They, they never saw any of my writing. So that's that's a great point. They play to your vanity with empty flattery. And uh, yes. it's an old, old trick. Uh, scammers have been using flattery for centuries, <laughs> maybe even Which millennia. still works. It still works. <laughs> uh, and it, the more insecure you are, the more likely you are to fall prey to these. Uh, for marketing things, often a money-back guarantee um, if they don't have that, it's an indication that they're a fly-by-night. And I will say, you know, we've been kind of throwing shade. A company I've been very impressed with is Alex from Kalytics. We had him on um, the show last month or the month before. And uh, I have just been so impressed with how he bends over backwards to have like 100% uh, satisfaction. Like he's just goes out of his way. Like he he does everything he can to not have to refund money and to make people happy. But if they're still unhappy, like that refund is there and he just goes above and beyond. And I, I know that there's a lot of scammers out there, but there's also a lot of really legit companies that really do good work. And um, it's not hard to find happy users of Kalytics. People are like, oh my gosh, this totally changed how I approach uh, to writing. Uh, so, But you want to look for that money back guarantee and look for how long the money back guarantee is. So for instance, we offer a 30-day money back guarantee on all of our plugins. We don't want you to buy our plugin and then be unhappy and complaining about us on the internet. We'd much rather refund your money than have you complaining about us. And that's how most of the legitimate industry is, if not all of it. Everyone's giving uh, uh, refunds. And um, now where, where you won't see a refund is where there are real costs. Right, so a publishing a printing company is going to print five thousand copies of your book. They can't refund your money after that because, gosh, they've spent that five thousand. You know, that's tons of money and of real costs that they can't refund. Like we don't offer refunds on the websites that we used to build uh, because you know I paid thousands of dollars in the team that would build the website, um, but we do offer refunds uh, where we can. Um, uh, the next one is they've never failed. Jim, what does this mean? Well, if you talk to a company and you say, hey, talk to me about some of your successful campaigns and talk to me about some that didn't go so well. If they, no, we've never failed. Every author we've ever worked with has had a marvelous success. You know, they're not legitimate because everybody fails. It happens. And and Thomas is talking about Alex where it, it oh gosh, that didn't work for you. Let us make it right. Let us give you your money back. So companies, I'm always skeptical. I'm skeptical in life of somebody that says I've never had a failure. I've never had a setback because it's just not true if you've been alive for more than a few minutes. So ask them if you're working with a company, tell me about a campaign or tell me about a business situation where it didn't work out for you. That's right. Another uh, kind of dead ringer for a scam is anytime you're being charged a reading fee, people are charging you to read their your book. That's probably not a legit company. Uh, agents shouldn't be charging reading fees. Publishers shouldn't be charging reading fees. Um, if anything, you should be selling them your book. <laughs> the money should be going the other way. Um, upfront publishing fees, uh, they can be legit. So I'm not going to say that everyone who's charging upfront publishing fees is um, taking advantage of you. And a lot of these companies, what they're charging you for is for somebody to hold your hand. And I will say holding authors' hands through a difficult process is very expensive because the kind of people who are able to do that are not 
cheap and it's it's very emotionally exhausting work. Um, but if, if you're emotionally mature as an author, you often don't need to pay for somebody to hold your hand through the process. You, you can listen to shows like this and podcasts and read books and you can save yourself a lot of money. Um, so uh, just kind of keep that in mind. Um, Author Solutions, uh, which is the company behind uh, like Westbow Press and Ex Libris and iUniverse, um, has a very bad reputation uh, just in the industry. People are very unhappy with what Author Solutions provides. And um, I would not recommend any of Author Solutions imprints or companies. And we'll have a link to Author Solutions website so you can see they own like a whole section of the publishing industry. And I wouldn't work with any of those companies. And 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 so you understand how this works. Thomas and I could set up novel marketing publishing. And we could say, guys, publish your book through us. It'll be great. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be involved in every step of the process. And then we do nothing except sub it out to Author Solutions. And so you have to see who what the company is that is actually doing the publishing. So you have to do a little bit of, uh, of digging on this because it has happened where legitimate, reputable companies have then gone and uh, worked with Author Solutions. So be sure you take the time to dig in and find out, okay, is Westbow Press really doing this or is it being farmed out to someone like Author Solutions? So Westbow Press, for those of you who don't know, is quote unquote, the indie publishing arm of Thomas Nelson, which is a very well-known company. I have opinions about Thomas Nelson. Uh, <laughs> and, and you, Thomas does. And I have, I have opinions about Thomas Nelson too. And this, this is where it gets a little bit dicey because Thomas Nelson is my publisher. And I absolutely love Thomas Nelson. I have had a fantastic working relationship with Thomas Nelson. And yet at the same time, they have this Westbow Press, which is their, their self-publishing arm, which contracts with Author Solutions. And that's something, you know, I, 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 if I was working at the company, I would disagree with. And to give you an idea, Westpo, Author Solutions is already a bad deal if you go through one of their own companies like Escalibris. But if you go through Westbo Press, it's twice the price because some of the money is going to Thomas Nelson for what was already a very expensive product or an overpriced product. <laughs> so I um, would, would not recommend. Uh, and one of the things that Author Solutions, all of their companies have in common is very pushy sales tactics. So often to get any information about them, you have to give them your phone number and they will call you and call you and call you. And these are very flattering salespeople who are like, we're going to make you famous. And it's just really high pressure and not, not a good business practice. Promising to make you a bestseller. Nobody can do that. Uh, the only way to guarantee that somebody is going to be a bestseller is to have teams of buyers that go out and fake buy your book to force you up into the bestseller list, which authors do pay for. Um, I don't have that listed as a scam because it does work, but it also can blow up in your, f I mean, it is a scam, but it's not a scam on you. It's a scam on your readers and on the country as a whole. And authors who, when they're caught for that, often it damages their reputation Um permanently and undermines the so i know of authors who've done this and they legitimately got to the bestseller list with the first few books and then they wrote a book that wasn't a hit and they went to one of these companies that bought a bunch of copies artificially and they were able to get their book their most recent book onto the list and then they get caught and suddenly now people are questioning all of their other bestsellers <laughs> it's like they've undermined their entire reputation so i don't i don't recommend that another thing they'll do is they'll promise to list you on amazon.com 
you can list yourself on amazon.com. It's about six clicks with the mouse. You got to create a password. It's not that hard. It's not something you have to pay somebody else to do. It's, it'll be just as much work to give these other companies um, the, the information to do it as it is to do it yourself. And there's no reason to pay for that. So publishing services that I recommend. We got all through that. Uh, there are no book to, uh, blog tours uh, that I recommend. Uh, there's no PR agency that I recommend. Um, I, I, I know of good ones, but not enough to recommend, like to put my stamp on them. The one, the one I would put my stamp on that I, I have worked with and, and I thought they did an excellent job was lit fuse. Um, and that was a PR firm hired by my publisher. So that's the only one, uh, turning point is another one that I really enjoyed working with years ago. So those are a couple, if you are interested in hiring PR firms that I could recommend. Okay. And I've heard good things about LitFuse. So, all right. So there's a good one. Uh, in terms of publishing companies, uh, CreateSpace is owned by Amazon. Uh, it's very legit. Um, it, and it's very, very reasonably priced. Uh, there's not a lot of people to talk to. You're going to have to figure out how to do things yourself for the most part. But uh, the prices are very reasonable. Uh, it's really good. Ingram Spark uh, is also really good. I was... Uh, consulting with somebody who's wanting to put together a children's book. And I was just shocked at how reasonably priced the children's book printing was at Ingram Spark. Um, like for color pages, it was like, man, this is super reasonable. I was very impressed. Uh, and Ingram Spark is owned by Ingram, which is the biggest book distributor in the world. And so Ingram is who a lot of um, big publishers like HarperCollins and Random House uh, will work with Ingram too, like Ingram's the one who owns the trucks and the warehouses and actually moves the books around the country. Uh, Ingram Spark is Ingram's uh, like indie self-publishing brand where you have access to some of the uh, muscle of Ingram uh, without having to be a big publisher yourself. Uh, but Ingram is a very big, reputable company that a lot of the big companies are using. Uh, Draft to Digital. I feel bad that we didn't mention draft to digital uh, in our last episode about creating lead magnets. Somebody in our Facebook group uh, pointed out, it's like draft to digital uh, will create ebook files for free. And I was like, they do. I totally forgot about that. So um, draft to digital has a whole range of services and you only pay for what you want. And they're very transparent and they're very author friendly and they have a very good reputation. I've heard only good things about draft to digital. Uh, and, you know, and I've really only heard good things about in Ingram spark and create space. You know, there's some, um, you know, the quality of a book isn't quite as good when it's printed on demand, but that's across the board. And uh, these these all have good reputations. And then Amazon KDP, which is Kindle Direct Publishing, uh, if you're going. Um, and in fact, some people will do everything through Amazon KDP. In fact, Amazon KDP actually also now does print books. <laughs> so uh, you could just use them. And uh, they also have a good reputation. So those are the ones that I would recommend uh, publishing wise. Uh, in terms of if you're going to publish your book uh, yourself. Hey, Thomas, um, as we were talking, I, I, I looked up for the show notes to put in LitFuse as a PR firm, and they actually closed their doors on March 16th. So they are no longer uh, available. Um, just FYI. Okay, sad day. In case you don't go to the show notes <laughs> and you look them up, I'll save you the time, folks. There you go. <laughs> uh, so final thoughts. Um, ask. In our Facebook group, if, if you are curious about a company and they're not listed here, ask us. We'd be happy to give you our opinion. We have a lot of authors in our Facebook group already. Uh, you know, either they're patrons or they got the email. I was very uh, pleased and um, 
kind of excited about how many people already have joined the Facebook group when we haven't even mentioned on the podcast yet. And um, you can get feedback from other authors who are like, yes, I've used them. Or if no one has heard of the service, that itself is information. <laughs> <laughs> might be a clue. Yeah, it might be a clue. Doesn't mean they're not legit, but it means that you need to go in with both eyes open, you know, read the fine print more carefully. You know, if it's something like Book Funnel and like dozens and dozens of people have used in like Book Funnel, it's like, okay, and I can be more, more uh, careful with this. But uh, we would love to help you, help keep you from being taken advantage of. So today our featured uh, patron that supports us on Patreon is Lauren Lynch and she has a series called the time drifter series. And what she writes is faith infused historical fantasies that are really created to challenge readers of all ages. And she lets us explore ancient civilizations like Pompeii and Cappadocia from a Christian worldview. Again, the time drifter series by Lauren Lynch, and we will have a link in the show notes to her books. And our sponsor today is My Book Table. If you want a premium plugin to help you sell more books on your website, uh, My Book Table comes with a 30-day refund. So if you're unhappy for any reason, uh, you can get your money back. But there's also a free version that you can use. It's got 80% of the features. Uh, the free version is very powerful. And you can if uh, find out often with the free version whether um, My Book Table is for you. And a lot of people get the free version. They're like, gosh, this is all I need. In fact, our plugin, My Book Progress, the, the biggest critique I've gotten is the free version is so good. Why should I buy the pro version? <laughs> and I'm like, well, maybe you don't. So uh, my book progress is another great plugin to help you show your book progress and grow your email list. You can find out more at authormedia.com. You have been listening to James L. Rubart and Thomas Umstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, where we give you, hopefully, novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thank you so much for listening.